0: Tonight on This is Vinyl Tap, an MIT engineer's basement obsession, a criminally underrated singer, abandoning mother's milk, and Marianne walking away. In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. 1976, America's Bicentennial. Gerald Ford is president. Rocky is the number one movie. The Israelis have a raid on Entebbe. Silly Love Songs is the number one single. Hotel California is the number one album and disco and punk rock are in open conflict. Tonight we're gonna talk about an album that came out that year. It's a great collaboration album. Two men who are experts in their field. One, Tom Schultz, a master guitar player, piano player, organ player, and arranger teams up with Tom Schultz, a master engineer. Tom Schultz, the engineer, and Tom Schultz, the musician, come together to put together one of the greatest albums of the 70s. It was on Epic Records. It had three singles, More Than a Feeling, Long Time, Peace of Mind. It sold 70 or excuse me, 17 million copies in the United States, 25 million worldwide. It was the fastest debut uh, selling album until Guns N' Roses put out a bunch of crap 10 years later. <laughs> Tony. Yeah, Doug. Is this a great album? <laughs> yes.
1: Uh yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say other than yes. Uh we were talking about the debut album from Boston. Um, I don't know if you mentioned that or not. Maybe you didn't. I missed it, but um, yeah, it's a fantastic album. It gets a lot of a lot of guff from a lot of people who don't know any better. You talked about, uh, you know, Tom Schultz and Brad Delp. Uh, Brad Delp. You know, when we talked about Odyssey and Oracle, we mentioned the zombies having a secret weapon, in uh, Colin Blundstone and uh, Boston has a secret weapon with Brad Delp. The guy is, in my opinion, one of the Probably top five rock vocalists ever. Um, just an amazing singer, and uh, and I don't think he gets enough credit for this album. A lot of people talk about Tom schultz and and they talk about they talk about Brad Del, but they don't talk about how much he had to do with it early on. I mean, um, you know, he's as much a part of of that Boston sound as uh, Tom Scholz is. But to answer your question, it's an it's an amazing album. In terms of a debut, I don't think there's another debut I can't think of. I was trying to think of another debut where every song could be a single, where every song got, you know, radio airplay, where I knew every song on this album before I ever owned it because of listening to to rock radio. Um, I mean. It, uh, the closest I could get is a Cars debut, but not every song on that was played and not every song on it's great. Every song on this album is fantastic. There's not a clunker on it.
0: J.M., I have a question for you. This this album probably is particularly interesting to you. J-M, was- Tom Schultz yeah. has a studio in his basement that made this amazing album. I know that you have a, a studio in your house. um, Much nicer house than Tom Schultz had, by the way. Um, (laughs) Why haven't you sold 25 million
2: albums? (laughs) Well, first of all, um, Tom Schultz actually studied physics and uh, acoustics and a bunch of stuff that had to do with waveforms at MIT. And he actually got a master's from MIT in that. So that might explain part of the disparity. The other thing is-
0: Are you saying that your college wasn't as good as MIT? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not- Go it, Southwest it, not, Texas. For those young yeah. people out there, that is yeah. Texas State. They changed it's the name after They're JM screwed the up their reputation.
2: The thing that makes this so surprising is, first of all, 1976, not a lot of people in general had their own studio. Even the big names didn't have their own studio. Tom Schultz built his own studio from the ground up. And the reason why he built it from the ground up was that he could. He had the knowledge to do it. And he had the electronics know-how to do it and i think based on the sound of this album he had the technical ability to if he were to never go into music if he were never a guitar player or an organ player or uh, an artist he probably could have made a living building studios and building components four studios and in fact he actually did he founded his own electronics corporation eventually uh the-
0: let's i want to stop there because there's a great story about that that i heard uh, when tom schultz was interviewed is his dad was a trumpet player mm-hmm. and his his dad said son stick with the engineering. don't go into music there's it's a dead end there's no money in that but he didn't listen to his dad and went ahead and put this album out and it, turned into the fastest uh, selling debut album of all time. Yeah. And then he decided, Tom Schultz decided he'd like to start a little company that sold, uh, an engineering company that sold devices to musicians and to uh, studios. Yep. And his dad said, son, are you crazy? Don't go into the engineering. This music is taking off. <laughs> <laughs> and then that that company that he started, uh, a lot of people know about the Rockman uh yeah a guitar effects tool and he had a bunch of other effects tools that that did very well and, and studio tool tools that did very well and then he decided to uh, to put those out and that was extremely successful and then his dad didn't know what to tell him after that i <laughs> thought yeah, everything uh, that got
1: touched turned into gold he yeah. uh, he has an interesting story about uh rockman he said one of the one of the biggest strolls in of his life was when he got uh, two warranty cards from jeff beck um, I, 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 w- I want to just talk briefly about, um, it, it's interesting, uh, that, you know, this whole building a studio of your own, cause he, you know, the big, the big sort of, uh, misunderstanding about Boston was that they just, they were just a band that was created out of whole cloth in the studio, but it's not entirely the, the, the story, um, Tom Schultz was, was going into studios and recording stuff for a while before he decided to build his own studio and he just didn't like what he was get the sound he was getting. It wasn't what he heard in his head. Um, and, and he also played in bands around Boston. Now he might not have been just another band out of Boston, but he, you know, he did, he wasn't like, he just created this out of whole cloth. Um, and, and what's it, what's interesting to me is, that um, as much as people complain, and when I say people, I mean idiotic rock crit- critics, complain about Boston having this bad influence on rock and roll in the mid '70s, because you know they weren't moping around and you know <laughs> doing doing heroin or whatever. Um, they uh, they don't sound like anybody else. Yeah. And I think that's because I think that's because just real quick JM. I think that's because Tom Schultz invented all of this stuff It reminds me of Brian May Brian May's guitar sounds like Brian May's guitar because he created that guitar
0: Now that's a big point um, and this is something important. I was in uh, sixth grade when this album came out that probably means JM was in fourth grade and yeah. that probably means that Tony was a zygote but the uh, I was I was in first grade. Okay. Uh, the uh, the sound that Boston has was imitated so much that it is impossible for us to hear it uh, the way the people who first heard it heard it because it doesn't sound as unique because so many people have uh, have tried to copy that sound. And, and that sound, I, I mean, stacking the vocals, stacking the uh, guitars. And we're gonna talk about this more later, but uh, there are all kinds of guitars doing all kinds of crazy things. And until uh, I heard them isolated, you you just can't imagine the detail that went into this mixture. Okay, track one is the Dinosaur Monster, enormous hit that got this band moving. And you gotta love this song. If you don't love this song, you're a horrible person. More than a feeling
1: <laughs> so um here's here's what came to me when we were list- when I was listening to this again, preparing for this. I'd never thought about this before. More than a feeling is in in a very odd way. A power pop song, and what I mean by that is I was Makes listening like to this. It. No, well, no, I do, <laughs> but I was listening to it, and I couldn't help but hear the raspberries. I thought, "Holy cow!" Ah. Um, it sounded like uh, "Go All the Way." I'd never noticed that before, so I pulled up "Go All the Way" and listened to it, and sure enough, it it has that feeling to it. It's got hand claps. I mean, come on. How many how many arena rock songs have hand claps in it? Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with you know whatever Tom Schultz was listening to at the time. But also, I think it's Brad Delp's influence because he's he's a huge Beatles fan. In fact, he was in a Beatles cover band for a while called Beetlejuice. Um, and that's, that's uh,
0: interesting. He can sing better than any of the Beatles.
1: <laughs> no, no, definitely. Um, yeah. But that it, I couldn't unhear this song reminding me of of the raspberries and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's because um, you know Tom Schultz has said he he was inspired by that the left bank song walk walk away Renee I don't know if you guys know that song but all of those elements kind of I think go into it but yeah this I think this is I think any I think any power pop band could cover this and it'd sound great it wouldn't Boy. sound like
0: Boston but uh, this this song uh, it's It's very timely that we're covering this, uh because we're talking about Marianne and ah. she's walking away and for everybody our age, the first Marianne that you ever knew was the one on Gilligan's uh island, Don Wells yeah, mm. and she was absolutely a doll that probably everybody had a crush on, and uh, probably one of the things that people like to say the most is that she was actually better looking than the movie star Gender, and, uh, by far. <laughs> and she, she died I, I believe about five days ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's probably why we're covering this today. Uh, Tony, in reality, this was not about Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Uh, that has another story. Yeah, Creepily, it's about his first cousin, Marianne,
1: Uh And, and we were talking earlier about how if, if that was something uh, that was the truth, we probably would have e- either lied about it or never admitted to
0: it. <laughs> or moved to Arkansas. Well, that sort of thing is normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, Hola, this so- song has a fade in.
1: Ah, yeah. That's
0: brilliant. And uh, in my opinion, that's that's done to imitate the feeling of of the guy singing his waking up in the morning yeah and and the fade in accomplishes that very well and he wakes up he's full of melancholy i imagine a guy staring out the window and it's dark and rainy maybe and he's thinking about the past and he puts on a song to uh make them feel better, which is ironic because this is the album I used to use for that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's funny you mention
1: that because it's, I mean, do you know of any other song, hit single that had a fade in? I mean, it's just a bizarre thing.
0: It's, it works, but it's weird. Yeah. Well, I'm, I imagine if there were fade-ins that they have been destroyed by MTV. <laughs> Which, in my mind, is to blame for everything.
2: Yeah. So, well, one of the things I want to say, the guitars on this song really introduce you to the, the Boston sound. They're distorted, uh, they're muffled by turning up the mid-range and, and dropping the lows and the highs. That's That's a... That was a very unusual thing.
0: I think it's the opposite of heavy metal, where they have the U shape yeah. on the uh, yeah, on the this equalizer. Is, this this is, is more the exact of that, opposite of that.
2: This is, this is a mountaintop. The phaser-like sound of that pick being drug across the strings. Yeah,
0: talk t- t- about the pick drag. That's that is it, he he can't resist that on this album. Yeah, <laughs>
2: he, and he, he he has a hard time resisting that on subsequent albums, but. Anyways, it's, it's just a, it kind of became what? a signature sound of Boston.
0: He has a pedal yeah,
2: the rock
0: I't it's like a, a hyper hyperspace hyper, hyper hyper, he pushes yeah. that and it starts sounding like uh, laser Spacers. beam noises yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. of course yeah. now that we have lasers, we find out they don't make cool noises like they did <laughs> in all the movies, <laughs> but we didn't know that in '76.: And,
1: and where yeah. did he get that hyperspace pedal?
0: he created it
1: he created he it, created it. Yeah. <laughs> That's like every I mean. damn thing on so, this album so so real quick just to take a side step um what's the deal with people not celebrating the fact that this guy with essentially two other guys brad delp and the and the first drummer i, I apologize i don't remember his name friend
2: um, or jim Acidia.
1: yeah, yeah. How do you not celebrate this guy coming out? Is is it that the rock critics were just upset that they didn't get to talk about a band up and coming for years and years and years, and they just sort of came out of the blue? I mean, I I just I just don't get how this is. You never
0: understood. We've gone through this before, Tony. The purpose of a rock critic is to talk about how deep and insightful they are, and how stupid everybody else is compared to them. These guys came out with a. an appealing sound that you didn't have to work your way into it it was immediately appealing and any idiot in 6th grade could dig it and you just can't be into that because that means you're not sophisticated
1: well it it is it is funny that i I saw an interview with Tom Schultz talking about how uh, when jm mentioned he was he studied physics and everything how he he came to this type of stuff in a way that your typical musician and engineer didn't because he mm-hmm. understood how all of that how how sound waves interacted. So he almost um and I don't I don't mean this as a knock like somebody else would when they talk about this. He was able to apply science to the sound of this in a way that that he created a sound that was so pleasurable to everybody that this
0: album just went through the roof, you know? And this, this album is deliberate. It is designed. There is nothing um, spontaneous about it. And I think people think, well, that's the realm of engineering. That's not the realm of music But I'll tell you something else, and this is definitely very clear on uh, more than a feeling. He plugged into something very basic, and he understood what guitar chords and what guitar leads are irresistible. Because he's got those strumming deals where everything clears out and you can hear the, the acoustic strumming. Mm-hmm. It's irresistible. His good electric uh, strumming with a distortion. It's irresistible. No, nobody in a skating rink ever didn't play. Arrogant <laughs> after that happened. And then the leads, he, he does uh, the two things I think are the most important. One is tone has to be perfect. And then the other yeah. is note choice. And the note choice is spot on yeah yep. and it's yep. irresistible nobody can resist I, maybe it's different for women but every guy in the world he hears those uh, chords and those uh, that those leads and he cannot help but just love it right away okay that's it for our show we only got to one song <laughs> let's, let's go on to song two uh, peace of mind.
1: i'm gonna say something i said during the police podcast because it fit it's it's the same thing on here this album while it's a lot more difficult to sing along with is so much fun to sing along
0: with. <laughs> i i agree with you that it's fun to sing along with but with one caveat it's fun to sing along with alone <laughs> you do I, well, not want to be compared to depth while you're trying to sing this i'll tell you what though
1: uh alone in your car driving down the road with the windows down
0: yeah i would have my windows up if
1: i were to I would sing. have i would have mine down just because <laughs> think, you need you need the air blowing through your hair when you're <laughs> singing this stuff you know yeah my you're problem long. is
2: I, i'm a solid baritone so i'd have to find the harmonies and i couldn't
1: actually
0: well,
1: <clears throat> well i mean this oh, is a great song that. um you know it continues on with that sound and uh this was also one of those songs that you heard on the radio all the time. I think, was this the second single or the third single? I think it was the third single. It uh, only got it up came, to 38. It came after a long time. Yeah, it, it only got up to number 38, but by that time, they'd already scored a number five and a
0: number 22 yeah, single. So. Everybody already had the album Why yeah. you a uh, single, yeah. which is, of yeah. course, what we recommend here, ladies and gentlemen, buy the albums. Yeah, yeah, I love this song. It's a faster pace than more than a feeling. We, we got to say something about uh, Delp and the way they stack his his vocals. Oh. It really shows up on this song. And I, I think Brad Delp is all the Bee Gees and one guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Bee Gees. I did not mean Bee Gees. I meant Beach Boys with with that. The harmonies he's doing now. Yeah. Um, It must have been quite a challenge to figure out how to do this album live. I I saw someone talking about him, you know, and doing research on this. And someone
1: said, and I never really thought about this, but they said, because I always think of him as being this just powerful single singer. But they said the thing that was magical about Brad Brad Delp was he wasn't he wasn't like belting stuff out. He was really precise and gentle. Uh, they use that term in the way he sang. It was just his range and the way he sang was so amazing that it sounded like
0: he was just belting stuff out at the top of his lungs when he wasn't really. Well, it's it's a great voice. It's also uh, another thing about the critics. They ignore him completely, and so, he's dead now. He uh, committed suicide. I can't remember what year it was. It goes seven
2: years ago. Yeah, was it oh seven?
0: Something sad, like that. It's a sad deal. Um, and I, I don't hear the energy in this song. Or uh, we'll talk later about um, rock and roll band. I I don't think that trans that made it to any other albums. The, these faster paced uh,
2: exactly exactly what I think. I don't think that he ever has been able to reproduce that in any sort of interesting way. Or he, he's just. He had a formula, and he kept trying to uh, pass it down to subsequent albums, and he just never was able to do it. But I think on this song, it's the it's the perfect realization of that sound. I really love the guitar parts on this. The, there's the harmony leads and the fills are just uh, very interesting. And here's another thing that I read, that Tom Schultz was never an- enamored with Siv Hashan's drum playing, to me on this song, it, his Sibs, uh, it's really great. It's just, I, I, well, would, you just listen to it. It's really amazing. The drum parts are really amazing.
1: Yeah. But you wonder if that was just the way he felt about the record company forcing, forcing him to make that decision. I don't think he wanted to move away from the drummer he had been using, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, that's possible. Uh, the next is foreplay. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not going to have anything nice to say about this. The, the, the best thing I can say about foreplay is it makes it such a wonderful thing when long time finally starts. Kay. And I, I got to tell you, I was an eighth grader. I was at the Boston concert and I was sick as hell and it seemed like foreplay went on for seven hours while I was sitting there with the fever. It was so bad.
1: (laughs) So I wish I had that inconsistency alarm you have. Uh, (laughs) We can talk about your love of Layla and the outro for Layla, which goes on way, 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 way too long. Uh, What's interesting about that, about foreplay, is that was the very first thing he ever wrote for this and it was written in 1969 it does okay. not sound like 1969 it sounds it like not. something that was written in the middle of the Prague stuff you know yeah. um, it's bizarre that when i found out he wrote that in 69 it blew blew me away
2: yeah. a, well, i
0: know everybody else in the world loves four play except for me <laughs> there's a there's a great video of him playing it i don't
2: know
1: yeah. maybe Five or six years ago, online, he's just sitting down at the at, at the yeah. organ and he just starts going off on it.
2: It's so cool to watch. Yeah, he's doing the clavinet and the organ. Yeah, at the same it's time. awesome. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, but but the sounds that Schultz is able to coax from the guitar on this is is really interesting to me. It's like the background noises for a 70s sci-fi movie, you know, or like two people in spacesuits are walking on a new planet that they've never been to before. And they're, they're talking through intercoms to the mothership and you've got that weird ass sound going on behind them. And but
1: (laughs) jam, I think, I think the point of this
0: conversation is that Doug is wrong.
2: (laughs) I think Doug is wrong. wrong.
0: We'll see if y'all end up down in hell. Don't be surprised if you listen to foreplay for the rest of eternity. I
1: guarantee you that outro for
0: Layla will be playing over and, <laughs> over, and over and
1: over again, along in with heaven. Jessica uh, Jessica from the Almond Brothers. Yeah,
0: yes. uh, that yes. discussion was almost as tedious as uh, the <laughs> organ solo itself. Long time comes on with probably the best beginning of any song in history. that bass rumbling and yeah. then that guitar with with the most Tom Schultz sounding lead ever just rips everything in half it is entirely irresistible but um, it's
2: not played and, by Tom Schultz
0: boy he wrote it don't you think
2: I'm sure he wrote it but it's not played by Tom Schultz that's it's right that's by Gary Goudreau
1: that's yeah. right well and 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 then let's not lose fact of the, the way the
0: the vocals just kick in at the beginning of it. It's just you know
2: yeah bam it's, uh, it's a
0: lot of it's I, I guess it's in my mind it's a, it's the second best uh song on this album and I think it's the one with the greatest energy i i uh, just yeah. can't can't get enough of that that used to be my uh, waiting for my buddies to pick me up to go out on go out on Saturday night to get me all fired up song. Yeah. And this was the second single on the album, right? Yeah. And you know, I don't hear it on the radio as much as some of the other songs on this album anymore. I, I, I agree with you. I think I've heard peace of mind a lot more than I've ever heard long time.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. And you're and and uh, smoking a lot now. Yeah. Too. And rock yeah. and roll band. I think you're right about
0: that. That's weird. I hadn't thought about that. Well, we're, we're about to flip the album over, but I've got to share something with you guys that, uh, I hope won't upset you. Uh, We occasionally get calls from people who are not actually fans of the show, but fans of disliking the show. And uh, this individual is particularly upset about the fact that we're talking about Boston. And I'm going to play this and see if y'all can respond to some of uh, the criticism. Chief Vinyl Craft is a stoner, Steve, reminding you that you still
2: suck. What happens? You get over 10 listeners and decide to sell out. If you didn't sell out, then why are you doing Boston's debut album, the ultimate corporate rock album of all time? Why don't you Johnny Fever wannabes do some real rock and roll like Deep
0: Purple, The Zep, or the ultimate rock band, Fog At? Okay, guys. Um, we've been accused of selling out now that we're such big shots. And uh, <laughs> we've also... <laughs> He's also saying that uh, Boston is uh, corporate rock, and uh, he's, he's not alone on that. Uh, what do we so, have to say to that?
1: Explain to me how a guy in his basement who, uh, without any studio help, puts this thing together, shops it around, gets, gets dismissed by every rock label on the planet before he finally gets accepted. Um, how is that corporate? That seems and, like the
0: absolute opposite of corporate. And he yeah. lies to the corporation about where about recording yeah. it in a so, studio. Yeah. And he's almost in constant lawsuits with corporations from this time <laughs> on.
1: Yeah, I think he's I think
0: he's up there with being one of the most litigious rock and roll stars in the world. Delp. He sued Delp's uh widow and daughter when they um, uh, It's much, his name. Listen
1: again. uh, A lot of bands kind of rode on this, on the coattails of this particular band and this particular album, and they are, uh, in some ways, also rams. They're nowhere near as good. Um,
0: But I don't get it. How you can call this corporate rock? Well, I think that Boston gets blamed for the actual corporate rock that was imitating them. I think so, you're right. Yeah. Boston sounds like corporate rock because corporate rock was imitating Boston. Right. And uh, yeah. by no means are they corporate rocks. So once again, uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to say Stoner Steve is wrong again.
2: Well, and I just, I just want to say two words. That hurts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was. I was going to say know one word because uh, you've never slept on the floor when you struggled <laughs> as a rock and roll band. Uh, rock and roll band is the next song. This is a fun, fun song. It so is. Who's, it about? who's this song about? It's about Boston.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another song about a guy who went to it's, MIT with a it's master's. An it's an it's a, an crazy a uh, job, right. playing, paying his dues, dreaming but, of playing in a rock band. Yeah. Listen
1: just, again. It's not like he didn't do some of that stuff. Yeah, they weren't a they weren't a, a going concern where they were. I mean, Mother's Milk was a band that played places. Um, he was. It's not like he just completely invented that a whole cloth. Now the the song is obviously, you know, not quite autobiographical. I think it
0: puts but. the record company off the scent. Wow, <laughs> this guy really, really did live that. And this band's, you know, these guys went to the record company and they had to practice as a band so they could convince the record company that they were a so, band.
2: But yeah, yeah. But this guy actually built his own. Recording studio had the had the means to build his own. Where's where's the
0: verse on that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe he's singing. Maybe he's singing about up all night studying at MIT.
1: (laughs) Maybe he's singing about Delp. I mean, that guy was what he worked in a warehouse or something like that (laughs) by day. Delp did that's true.
0: You know, well, all I'm saying is it doesn't matter one bit to me. In fact, if it was written to put the record company off the set, I like it even more. But it's as fun as a song as you could ever ask for. Yeah, and, uh, people that you know, don't like this song are horrible people.
1: It, it's funny. I, I read a guy who who's talking about this album, and uh, you know we've talked about sequencing before, and he said he thought they got the album flipped. That this should have been the song that started the album I off. Too. Uh, yeah. I, I don't.
0: I don't. Ag- I don't agree with him. Well, next comes. Uh, if it weren't for uh, foreplay, this would be my least favorite song. Uh, smoking. This is uh, a Brad, Brad Delp helped write this one.
1: Would you, would you have liked it better if it had been called its original name, Shaken?
0: Oh, God, Shaken. that's
2: horrible.
0: Yeah. I'm, and I mean, I don't really hate this song, I just, just don't think it's up to the level of the rest of the album.
2: This is a very impressive song to me. How is it that one guy playing every instrument but the drums? To me, it sounds like a total jam in the bottom of a basement.
0: Um, <laughs> it does sound like a jam. I'll give you that. It, well, it sounds like Brad
1: Delp's having the time of his life singing it, too. Maybe that's because yeah. he co-wrote it. I don't know.
2: But then there's the, the weird uh, Bergen part. Okay, as far as I know... A Hammond organ doesn't have a pitch bend on it. This is 1976, and I'm pretty sure there's Didn't
0: no... they say they're bending the tape?
2: Yeah, I, that's what that
1: that's doing. what that guy that guy said is he thinks uh, he's putting uh, putting his finger on the tape and bending
0: it.
2: Yeah, Rick Beto. Yeah. yeah. We gotta give some uh cred to Rick Beto. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Everybody
0: yeah. ought to see Rick Beto's uh two videos on uh this this album they are absolutely fascinating and uh probably when you're through watching his uh video on more than a feeling you will uh, wonder why the hell you even listen to us but <laughs> we appreciate it very much
2: yeah uh, we'll we'll put the uh links to these two videos in our uh, yeah they're right. fascinating
0: and then hitch ride was the other video he did i believe Uh, that's a good song. Uh, I love that song. I, I wish that it would have had less organ and electric guitar myself. I, I really like listening to Delp's voice.
2: Another thing that I think Tom Schultz does that very few other guitar players can do, he can sound like two different guitarists. Yeah, he can This song in particular is a great headphone song because he'll do a guitar part on the left side and he'll do a guitar part on the right side and he'll have two different, totally different tones. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Then we speed it up again with Something About You. This song, too. Uh, never get tired of it. A lot of energy. One of the faster tempo tunes.
2: All right. Um, this is probably my least favorite song on the album.
0: You're a bad person.
2: <laughs> I, I agree with
1: JM. It doesn't mean it's a bad song, but it's probably my least favorite song on the album, too.
2: I don't know. But what's up with the heavy metal beginning? You know, it sounds like it's going to go into that one of those Def Leppard. <laughs>
0: well Death Leopard is one of the bands that's criticized for stealing all these techniques and making corporate rock obviously you two have never been in love so we'll just move on
1: (laughs) well my wife's (laughs) in prison every other year so
0: yep makes you wonder if she's getting caught on purpose Um, (laughs) let me take you home tonight our last tune love this song
2: let let me take
0: That's because you're not into love. You're just into cheap one nighters.
2: (laughs) I think this song is a total stinker.
0: Do you? Yeah. I don't like uh, "Mama, It's All Right." I was so relieved to find out that Brad Dill wrote this because (laughs) I'm I'm thinking about this uh, guy with the master's degree from uh, MIT walking up to a girl in the bar, saying, "Mama, It's All Right." Yeah, Mama.
1: I, I think this song is great. I think its vocals on it are fantastic.
2: Um, I'll give you that, but
0: they're always I, fantastic.
2: <laughs> I think it's the worst engineered song on the album. Well, you know
1: it's the it's the only song that every person in the band actually played on. Yeah, live. Yeah, because they were. This is a song that was done in California when they were
0: trying to pull the wool over the uh, over the label's eyes. He didn't. He probably didn't care about it because he didn't write it. <laughs> probably yeah, not. He, never, yeah. he
2: didn't give a rat. But it it really is. It's like and you hear uh Goudreau's guitar solo on it. It's nowhere near as clear as uh the he one that he did.
0: did on- Seven hundred takes on it. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't
1: obsessing over a single note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: What's the deal with the square dancing hoedown at the end of the song? It makes no sense. That brings us to
0: the end of a uh, album with eight or nine tracks, depending on how you count four playing long. Long time.
1: This, you know, this band was was nominated for best new artist in 1977. You know what band beat them, don't you? The Starland Vocal Band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's afternoon now, here, delight. Right? Here's yes, it's afternoon delight. It's here's like that. It's more just no love, all sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh this
1: is the, these are the bands that were nominated with Boston, Starland Vocal Band, Wild Cherry, uh and then b- two bands I've never heard of. The Brothers Johnson.
2: Oh, my goodness. They're awesome. Okay. They're fantastic.
1: And Dr. Buzzard's original Savannah band. Never heard of them.
2: Don't know them.
0: guess he didn't have a uh, staying power. Um, but, yeah, the, the, all of those
1: bands were nominated for Best New Artist and uh, Starline Vocal Band won. Uh, all, here's another interesting thing. Uh, Doug, do you know what albums kept this
0: album from going to number one because it peaked at number three i'm gonna guess uh for the benefit of jm Rowe, uh eagles hotel (laughs) california and eagles greatest hits uh
1: you're right about one of them eagles hotel california the other one was songs (laughs) in
0: the key of life oh yeah but uh stevie wonder's big big album there is an aspect of Boston that remains a mystery to me, even after all of these years, and uh, it's you know it's 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 a pretty big deal, and it's bothered me a lot. Uh, the album itself does not live up to the album cover, and what we've got are uh, we've got the world, Earth, our home, exploding, and every. Every city, it, apparently every city, has jumped into a guitar-shaped spaceship. And I don't mean the people. I mean the entire city's been scooped up and laid into a guitar-shaped spaceship, which is ex, which is escaping while the earth burns. It seems to be that Boston is in the lead, taking <laughs> the point position, which begs a lot of questions. Uh, Jam, first of all, you, you've got a lot of guitars. You've got a lot of experience with guitars. Um, If Austin were to get into uh, a guitar-shaped spaceship, what kind of guitar would Austin get in? Uh, It looks like Boston's in a Gibson Les Paul. What about Austin?
2: A Dan Electro, double cutaway, and the color would be turquoise.
0: How do those fly? (laughs) Very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the in the next album, which you're not going to talk about, because uh, it what what follows uh, this album isn't really uh, a very exciting to me. But the next album, the 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 fly in Boston City is checking out some land on uh, another planet with their spotlights, and then after that, they are reuniting with some gigantic spaceship that's not a guitar. And, um, and then after that, they're crashing into some rocks. <laughs> Does anyone know how this story ends? In corporate America, it looks like they're flying over Earth again and it all got better. I don't know what's going on.
1: Well, there's one more album after that one, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so they survived the rock crashing. So that was at, uh, that That was at the same time Journey was Journey's spaceship was crashing into rocks as well?
0: Uh, uh, that's Walk On the album where they're crashing into rocks okay. and uh, it's actually Walk On is actually written on the rocks they're crashing into with a, apparently there's a satellite that's much too close to the planet right behind them uh, but yeah, right, I, w- right. I would ask our listeners if you know the story of the Boston album covers uh, <sighs> please send us a note because this is uh, this has kept me up at night for a long time trying to figure out what's going on I think it's all a fever dream.
1: I think it wakes up with Tom Schultz in the shower. <laughs> yeah. It's all a dream.
2: I'm pretty <laughs> sure that uh, Austin lands on some hospitable uh, moon, uh, and then
0: immediately everybody's camping on it, throwing their garbage all over the streets. <laughs> no,
1: no, 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 no. What happens is they 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 uh, they end up turning it into the place they just came from.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> After the Austin spaceship lands, the uh, California spaceship comes and lands right on top of it. The- <laughs> That's right. Crushes the Austin spaceship. <laughs> Tony? Yeah? Are you going to share something with us tonight? I am.
1: I am, uh, am going to share something with you. Um, uh, there's a guy I've been following since the mid-90s named Parthenon Huxley um he actually put out uh i think his first album was came out in uh in the early 90s maybe 89 but he released an album uh in 2018 called this is the one uh it is uh surprise surprise uh chock full of power pop hooks (laughs) 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 and jangly guitars (laughs) well not so jangly in fact that the the title track this is the one
3: this is the one
1: It sounds a little bit like a marriage of Boston and ELO. Um,
0: that sounds it, interesting.
1: Yeah, um, it's kind of it's kind of uh, all over the place in terms of its influences, but it's really good. This guy's been, been putting out fantastic music for for decades, and this is no exception. I I would recommend this album a lot. Um, like I said, the title track, this is the one, is really great. Uh, "Song for James" also fantastic. Uh, there's a kind of a rocker on there called that's when i know which is really great uh just a good 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 album and uh he's a good guy he's one of the good guys in music so you know support him if you can
0: well and uh i'm intrigued (laughs) by the mention of elo because i believe they also had spaceships (laughs) well here here's the funny thing about him he was in a band
1: called uh the orchestra it was everybody but jeff lynn <laughs> um, and he was he was one of the guys singing lead and playing guitar in it, in the orchestra. Um, that was one of his side side deals.
3: Well, that's it for tonight's show. Next week we'll be looking at a underrated album by a very underrated singer, Night Beat by Sam Cooke. Be sure and look us up on Spotify or your favorite podcast platform, such as iHeartRadio Amazon, or iTunes, and leave us a review. Also, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Tapping Vinyl. Also, you can email us at tappingvinyl at gmail.com. Write us and let us know what album you'd like for us to take a look at in an upcoming episode. For our host, Doug Cooper, and our co-host, Tony Slagel, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, and this is Vinyl Tap, where all the podcasts go to 11 and reminding you that it's always more than a feeling.
0: a strange year Uh, I think uh, I believe I recall that uh, (laughs) Silly Love Songs was the number one song of the decade so and that's that is a horrible song I
1: I love Paul McCartney if I had boys I would name them Paul and McCartney I almost named my daughters that but that song is god
0: awful (laughs) It's it is terrible, terrible, especially if your sister terrible. gets that album and plays it over and over and over again <laughs> when you're trying to play your Boston album. <laughs>